everybody. How you doing? It's kind of a somber morning a little bit. I hope. Are you guys going to be awake today? Because it just seems like it was kind of a soothing. Jake had a kind of soothing voice and kind of melodic, you know, like, don't do that. Don't do that. Stay, be awake with us here. It's a beautiful day. But no, it was a great. Thanks, guys, for leading us earlier. Just a great word as we started worship. Gathering day. I just want to take a moment, though, uh, this long week we have. It's it's, you know, Veterans Day was on Friday and Remember Day, you know, Canadian holiday. And so if, if you are a veteran, could you stand, please? We want to just recognize you. Can we give our folks a hand that served our, our country? Thank you for protection. Thank you for your care, your sacrifice. Really appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thank you and the men and women that, that serve and continue to serve and so just really acknowledge it. And, and the spouses and the families are part of that, too. There's a sacrifice, too, and being a part. But uh, we're glad you're here in this, this weekend. If you're watching online, great to have you. We'd love for you to come. We've got seats here available uh, to come join us if you're local. Uh, I think there's something tangible about being together. And so if that's, we want you to come. Be, be a part of what God's doing here in just this present time and being present uh, as we gather. But we've been doing this series called, uh, well, Genesis, and we're talking about where it all began, and, and, and you know, as, if you guys are following along in, in the reading guide, each week, have you noticed, like, the chapter, there's more chapters, like, one week, it's, like, three chapters, the next week, I have to read 15, like, what in the heck is going on, and so, so, I'm just thinking, we just ramp it up each week, okay, we just give you more chapters to read, I hope that you've discovered some things, uh, and learned, and grown a little bit, first of all, let's acknowledge it, like, People are weird, okay? There's some weird stuff in there, okay? And it, yeah, you could kind of like, oh, it's cultural. Yeah, it's still weird. You know, there's some, there's things there. And, and what we're learning is, is, is God's painted this beautiful creation, this story. It's beautiful and just amazing how artistic and how it's expressed and everything. Then along the lines, God just, does, there's some weird people. There's like, what we just say, flawed individuals that you're almost kind of like, God, you're kind of messing up the painting. Like that, ah, don't put those people in there. Don't put those people in your story. And, and yet that's what's going on, right? Abraham and, and Isaac. And, and, and the today we're going to look at a guy named Jacob that we'll, that we'll be looking here at, at today. And, and it, before we get there, I mean, I kind of want to start off with kind of a couple of classic questions. First one is kind of a classic question. We, we, you ever go in life, and, you're, and you can relate with what we'll be talking about here today, this question is, why does bad things happen to good people? I mean, we, we ask that question a lot, don't we? It's one of those that doesn't always get answered because we know people, we know people in our life that, man, they're good people. You know, they, they, they love Jesus, and they serve, and they, I mean, they sure off their back to people, they're just... And then yet they suffer. They go through pain and difficulties and, and trials and dif difficult situa situations. And, and then some even just die at a premature age or they've lost loved ones that are just, it's like, I don't get that, God. Why them? That doesn't seem right at all. But then did you ever ask the question, the other flip side of it is, why does good things happen to bad people? Don't, we don't always ask that, right? I mean, you, you just kind of, you know those people that, um, because first of all, let me ask this question. Do you know anybody that um, bad things happen to good people? Can you think of somebody like that? You can think of a lot of people. Good people and bad things happen. Like, oh my gosh. But then there's these, then there's these bad people. Good things are happening to them. 
I mean, from the very beginning, they were bad. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? That preschool, they swat, they stole toys and took snacks and they cut in line and in the lunch line and they, they, they swindled their way through life. They, they did all kinds of things. They were, they were the ones, they were the bad dates. He went on like, oh, I had this boy. He was a horrible person. Like, or she was terrible. You know, they fudged on their college applications and job resumes. They backstabbed their workers. They're sleazy business people. They cheated on their spouse. They neglected their kids. And then you see a post of them. And they have a selfie from a tropical place. And they, their hashtag is best life ever. <laughs> Do you know anybody like that? Yeah. Yeah. No point. You, you know, you know people. Like, I don't get that, God. That's not right. Well, if you know of bad people getting blessed you're gonna you're, you're gonna like that that would be jacob that would be jacob and as we look at this morning it, it starts off when you read through the story of isaac and rebecca and there's this beautiful love story and everything's going well until the twins are born and in fact even even before that here a lot of drama right in the womb in, in the bible it says here in genesis chapter 25, they're going to look at this morning. He says that the children struggled together within her. She said, if it's thus, why is this happening? Maybe, ladies, maybe you're pregnant. You're the, the babies are kicking. You're like, babies, maybe, you know, kicking. You're like, why is this? What happened? Okay. So, and, and then, you know, you're blaming the guy, right? So, but so she went to inquire of the Lord and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. And, and Rebecca is like, what did I get myself into? That's pretty heavy thing. Well, well there, there's competition right at, at birth. Verse 25, Genesis 25 says, the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. And so they called him Esau. The name means red and hairy. And afterward, his brother, I, I'm not making this stuff up. You guys are laughing. This is the Bible. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand, hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. The name means heel grabber. Okay? Now, I mean, if you're going to talk about this today, you've got to have a sermon title, Harry and the Heel Grabber. Okay? Odd. You're like, where did that come from? Right here. You don't make this up. This is one of the most famous sibling rivalries in history. Parents uh, don't, don't, don't help. They, they don't help with the comparisons, and they pick their favorites. It says, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So Isaac, you know, in, in that was the favorite because he loved the, the wild game and, and he was an outdoorsman guy, man's man. And, and so the dad liked the son that way. And then Rebecca loved Jacob. He was a quiet man. Now, quiet doesn't mean nice, by the way. We'll find this out. It actually means domesticated, homebodied. Someone call him a mama's boy. I mean, that's what the label could go with that. Maybe his Maybe that contributes some what, what, what we're going to look at here in a moment. But they grew up, they had, there was favorites. And I, I'm an only child, so mom and dad loved me equally. They, I was their favorite, right? 
but you have had siblings and, and, and some of you are maybe step situations and stuff and so it's just like some kind of side over the other assignment and so you know or you have children that you know multiple children so it, you can relate with this a little bit but the two brothers now become adults when we get into the next couple chapters and have you ever heard the term sellout it, it's really probably could come from here maybe it's rude here in verse 29 of 27 chapter 27 it says one once when Jacob was cooking stew so we come to this moment where and, and in fact cooking actually means preparing and that it's also translated acting presumptually so there's this there's this brewing and stewing that's happening that basically Jacob was putting himself in a position because at some point we're not sure of this but maybe his mom was saying hey you know one day Jacob you're, it's going to be your opportunity you know you're the younger but actually your you're, your older brother Esau he's going to serve you there's going to be a day coming and I don't know if, if, if there was some pressure that was on mom that was doing this or, and really was upset, maybe dad was blatantly partial to his brother, the great outdoorsman, and he's been labeled a sissy. We don't, again, we don't know the di family dynamics, but as we know, being human, those, those things can come into play. Jacob was stewing, literally, and plotting this, what was going to happen. It says that Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. I think it's funny. Like he's red skinned and he's eating red stew. I don't know what, what's with the red. Okay. Was, was he nicknamed red? I'm not sure what, you know, but Jacob says, sell me a birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die of what you what, what, what use it is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, you don't know what birthright is. It's basically, you know, person, person dies and it's an inheritance and usually went to the older brother and it would be a double portion many times was a, a birthright. So what it was is like if there's two brothers, they would end up getting more than 50% that the one brother would get. And then part of it was you had leadership of the estate and then you needed to provide for other people if they're in need. There was a responsibility. But that's the way that how they had that set up. Here Esau was a sellout he, for some stew. And we look at this and we just go, bro, what, what are you thinking, man? For soup? Are you really you're gonna despise your future, your opportunity? And, and and whether he was really that famished, he's gonna die. Really we really don't know at what place. But but Jacob, he, he's a heel grabber. Another another translation of, of the name Jacob is swindler. He was looking for a way, he was looking for opportunity, he was conniving, he was he was he was looking for his moment. And he's, he's trying to find it. But on the other hand, here's Esau being not a complete victim here. He gives himself out. He sells out. How many know we, we can be tempted at times to our appetite for the immediate? Here, here's our massive, it's a massive life lesson to be reminded of. Short-term uh, satisfaction leads to long-term suffering. Short-term satisfaction, just, it leads to long-term suffering. And, and many times we can compromise our convictions and they have lifelong consequences. 
Some of them are just small things. It could be our health. We, we, we know to eat the right foods, but we don't. And here we are in the holidays again. And, 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 and so, you know, we're told by our doctor, okay, if you want to live, you want, you know, and, but we'll go that direction, right? Some of it's in our purchases that we have, the, the brand new car that we need or that vacation that we, we're longing to do. But what we do is we, it's on borrowed time. And now for some people, there's like, they will not pay this off until Jesus comes back. Okay, that's, that's how, where you're at. A, a friend maybe told you something in confidence, but for some reason, you're just tempted to leak it to other people and, and it causes the break of a friendship. The one drink, the one puff leads down the road of addiction. And then probably the biggest is those that engage in sexual activity outside of marriage, uh, both before and then during in a marriage and, and, and extramarital affairs. It, breaking this covenant is just devastating. These, these, these um, birthrights, these things, this blessing that God wants to bless our future is then shortchanged for that. So I've found for us that the danger is when we sacrifice spiritual provisions to satisfy our physical appetites, we will lose at the end and others will lose in the process. There's this, this desire sometimes to get to that immediate over a little bit of stew, over a little bit of this or a little bit of this opportunity that we're tempted in and yet has devastating consequences. And you know that for you. You can look back in your life and again, not just so much in regret, but reminders of this to be the case. And that was happening here. It's interesting the Hebrew writer even goes further about how severe the consequences. It says, see that no one is sexual immoral or is godless like Esau, for who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, which we'll look at here in the moment, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what had been done. That's really difficult in our life, isn't it? The things that we've done, we cannot undo. It's the way it is. But there is hope. There is hope. Even though there's consequences, there is hope that we can have. But we've got to be careful. We can sell it in the short, short, short term and miss the long-term benefits of the blessings that are there. So Esau blew it. But Jacob was planning all this. He, he plotting all this. And he had a mom that was masterminding the whole thing. She was behind much of this. Jacob, you remember, Jacob was Rebecca's favorite. And so she has, as you read on in, in Genesis 27, you find that there's this, this plot again. So there's the birthright, but then there's this blessing. And so Isaac getting older in age, he's kind of blind, he's getting old, he can't you know, see very, very well, and he's just... And so Rebecca says to Jacob, hey, Esau went out to get, go more hunting. Why don't you come and dress like Esau, put on, um, this guy must have been pretty furry as a guy, but put on animal skins and, and pretend you're, and come up to your, your dad and, and, and you know, he'll, he'll touch you, pet you. I don't know what the deal is, but you're pretty, and pretend you're Esau. And so you, you read this dialogue that's going on. I'm like, are you sure you're Esau? Esau, you sure sound like your hands feel like Jacob. And there's this little dialogue that goes back and forth. No, no, Dad, it's really me. It's really me, Esau. Well, he fools him, and he says, okay, I'm going to give my blessing. 
Now, this is something that they did in the Hebrew culture. They, this blessing they put on. He, knew, he knows he's getting at the end of his life, Isaac is, and he puts this blessing upon him. And here's the blessing. May God give you the, the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. For the Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Curse be everyone who curses you and bless be everyone who blesses you. See, here there's this blessing that comes on him that's basically irrevocable. Esau shows up. Go here I am, and then he here I got you, and you know I want my blessing, and like I just blessed you. Who who are you? What? And he doesn't, he can't change it. This is the way things were. Rebecca, what happened? She 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 thought she just knew she needed to do something. She needed to make this happen. This 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 fulfillment. I mean, God said in the, the in the womb that the older would serve the younger, and so. So she kept the younger by her side. She positioned him and conditioned him to make the move. And, and, to, and, and if you're not getting what you get, I mean, you steal and you cheat and you, you connive your way and you lie your way through it to your very own husband that was going on. What was happening, we, and it's a reminder to us that we can, at times, we, we, we forget that God's the one that does the work. That God said he's going to do this, and in his fulfillment will happen in his, in his way. And, and, and there, but there's this temptation to kind of think we're kind of need to manipulate our way for God, for God to do it. And God doesn't get manipulated. God doesn't work that way. But yet the, there is this, this plotting that takes place to, to do. And I think we can be reminded of in our lives is when it feels like God is moving too slow... There's a reason. There's a reason for it. And yet, as time goes on, we seem to find to force our way in situations. You might be in a situation right now. We're going, God said he was going to do this, and we sense he was going to do this, and I'm trying to follow his plan in doing it, but it's, you know, things are not moving forward, okay? As in, in the football season, that God, you're not moving the chains here. Okay? We're, not, we're not getting ahead. We're not getting downfield too fast. Maybe I need to do something. Maybe I need to step in. And we can look back in our life when we try to force God's hand, when we try to manipulate and connive our way, and then we somehow think we say things like this, that the, 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 ends mess, you know, the end justifies the means. We're getting to what needs to do, but we're going to do it our way and do that. And even if it requires a little bit of conniving and scheming along the way. It's not really sin, but we actually found ourselves manipulating conversations, moving people toward our opinion, and at the end of the day, what's left is not good relationship. Not good relationship with one another and especially with God. And we see it over and over, and we see it played out. You read the many chapters you've been reading in the Bible lately in Genesis, you're going, oh my gosh, you see this thing they're just tripping over everybody. And, and, you know, mom and dad did, did this and it's passing down. And then that's what we find in Scripture. And here's the amazing part in this flawed situation. All these people like, God, why are you even, why are you putting them in the story? What, what I found is amazing is this, this. God still uses our methods of manipulation, but there will be a cost. Okay? So God still uses it. 
God, even in the midst of our brokenness and the things we're doing, God still uses it. God, God's still going, I'm still going to work through you, but like you're going that way, that's going to be a problem, but I'm going to fulfill my will to do that. Esau, we find this out as the brothers, kind of an obvious thing happens, like he's mad, right? Esau's mad, and he goes after Jacob, and Jacob leaves, and and there's this drama that unfolds. And, and really what ends up happening, being fulfilled. There's two nations. Jacob uh, descends, becomes the Israelites and God's chosen people. Esau uh, descends, become the Edomites. And they become enemies of God's people later on. And we see these generations that, that come out of it. And here Jacob got this birthright. And it's questionable. You're like, really God? Seriously? This is a... This is a swindler. This is a conniver. And he's the one that gets the blessing. But that's what God uses to renew his covenant. Jacob climbs a ladder. This is a dream that he has. And he's climbing up there. And here's the blessing that God speaks to him. He says, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. And you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and the south. And then your offspring shall have all the families of the earth be blessed. Going, but no, wait a second. That's a bad dude. God, why would you why would you do that? Well, guess what? There's there comes a price, there comes a cost, even 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 in this. And so what we find is he doesn't get unscathed, go unscathed. Poetic justice kind of finally happens to Jacob. It's, the irony of the story here is that Jacob goes and he's trying to find a wife, and he meets a guy that's kind of a connected relative called Laban. And Laban it's, he sees he has two daughters and, and he sees both of them. He sees Leah and she goes, eh, I'm not really sure about her. And then he leans over and goes, oh, he instantly falls in love with Rachel. He goes, I want to marry Rachel. So this is what it says that Jacob loved Rachel and he said, I will serve you, Laban, seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it better that I give her to you than I. I shall have her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served in seven years for Rachel, and it seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Wow. He, he worked seven years. I have a daughter, and I'm just wondering could I do that? Would that be okay? She's not, okay. I hope I wouldn't do what Laban does. Because the time of the marriage came. Jacob, the, there's a trick that happens here. And I don't know exactly how it all is, but there's a wedding feast and, and then there's a consummation that takes place. And he wakes up the next morning, he looks, and it's not Rachel. It's Leah. I don't know dim lighting too much champagne how did this happen and anyway but the player got played that's what happened he got played he and, and what at the principal scripture you, you a man reaps what he sows he was the deceiver he was the swindler and and here he becomes a victim of deception right payback is a you don't have to say it it's there Jacob can't be outdone with this. He goes, that's all right. You got it. I want her. Seven more years. He goes, and he then finally is able to marry Rachel. Now, 
Polygamy was permitted back then, but it caused competition. Leah was able to have children, and Rachel wasn't able to have them. And then so she says to Jacob, Rachel says to Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Barrenness was, was not just a disappointment. I mean, it was considered a curse, really wrong back then, considered a curse. And it's similar to Abraham and Sarah where she says, well, go, go do this. Go sleep with my maidservant. But, but here, here uh, Leah has like 10 children. And then in Genesis it says, then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and she called her, his name Joseph, which we'll look at finale next week. The promised son focus that we'll do. But know this, comparison will always lead to conniving our way over God's will. Comparison always will lead us to conniving over God's will. And what I mean by that is we'll shortcut our way. We'll look, and I have been, I at times look back and where I start comparing myself and I spent way too much time thinking about this. And I think about, well, wait a second, God, why are you blessing them and not me? Or why are you doing it this way? Well, what if, what if I did it their way? What if I ended up, all I need to know, I need to hack my way through this to get what they need. That's what we need to do. Or that, and we so caught up in that that we'll connive our way and scheme our way through that. And we'll look for shortcuts to circumvent God's will over and over again. And we, what would we end up? I typically end up in much regret. And much chagrin of, of life and circumstances and everything that I've done. I'm like, why didn't you just listen? Why didn't you just follow God's plan? That his promises are true and they will be fulfilled in the way he is going to do it through me, not how he's going to do it through other people. And it's complicated. You, you see that happening when comparison affects everybody. They, we want this blessed life, but we miss it that it's not about achieving. It's not about achieving. It's so much not about striving. It's not about trying to connive our way through that. So we reflect on Jacob. He's spent so much time lying and manipulating to get this blessing. Well, here comes this place where no longer is Jacob conniving his way and scheming his way and forcing his way to that. He comes face to face with God himself. One evening where he's actually preparing in Genesis 32, he's preparing for an encounter with Esau. He's going to try to make a treaty with him because they, they got his people and our people and there's a lot of issues going on. I'm like, how can we get along? We got to work this thing out. And he's all by himself. And it says in verse 25, and I find it very interesting here. It says that Jacob is alone and this man shows up. Much would say like an angel shows up and jumps him. <laughs> and they wrestle. They battle it out all night. And it says at the end of the night, it says when the man saw, which I think is interesting, he could not overpower him. So somehow Jacob's like, he's got him in a headlock, this angel, like, like you know, like, I got you, man. I'm going to take you down. Like, okay, yeah, all right. He touches the socket of Jacob's hip. So his hip was wrenched. And as he wrestled with the man, and then the man said, let me go for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until, until you bless me. Then Jacob, then the man asked him, what is your name? Not that the guy didn't know his name. It's Jacob, he answered. Remember, Jacob, what's his name? Heel grabber, swindler. That summed up Jacob's life. 
Then the man said, you're no longer going to be Jacob, but Israel, because you struggled with God and with humans and had to overcome. By the way, Israel means overcomer or God's contender. So all this is going on. And at the end of the night, finally, the, the guy, angel guy, blesses, it says that then he blessed them there. Don't you find that just incredibly odd? Don't you find it just like, what do you, what do, you do with this? I mean, but the way I look at it here is that here Jacob did. He, he strategized, he schemed, he swindled, he struggled all his way through life. And finally at the end, he basically now, who is he left wrestling with? God himself. Who else is left to tangle with? Who else is willing to, at the end of the day, he's striving to try to get what? A, a blessing from God. And he got it. What did he do? He asked for it. Bless me, Lord. And God blessed him. But he's a bad dude, though. You know what I mean? He's not, does, he doesn't deserve that. I mean, he swindled, he connived, he tricked. Yeah, he got played a little bit himself. Well, he should have. Payback, right? He should have. And we look at his life and, and we see this. And, and at the end of the day, I mean, he basically had to cry uncle and he just, he kind of just surrenders. And so at this point, it says, so Jacob called this name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. What, what do we, what we find as a reminder in our life for Jacob was this. He had a little bit of limp. I always heard this phrase says, don't, don't trust anybody without a limp they've experienced some things in life what was happening is there was a moment there was a remembrance of what that he wrestled with with God himself face to face I think it's no different for us today as we reflect and we come to a, a close here in a minute I want you to begin to think about your life a little bit and really just asking this question is what's your struggle what is your struggle in other words what's what's your lamp what does that what does that look like? I, I think we all have one. It, it could be physical. It could be from birth or an accident. There's a physical disability that, that you have. And it's a condition that you have. You've lived that for lifelong. That could be a part of it. It could be emotional. You've had some childhood trauma, big T trauma, little T trauma that's happened to you. It could be situational. People around you that that you struggle with, even right now when you're in a situation. That, you know, Apostle Paul coined... Uh, his limp of a thorn in the flesh and circumstances that you're asking God's grace to, to help you through it because here's what's happening is this is that that limp is God humbling you it comes down to you're willing to admit you're willing to admit it the question is how will you respond well a couple ways we see played out in scripture is are, are, you, are you hairy or the heel grabber is your response to whatever you're wrestling with and struggling in life and what you need, are you quick to sacrifice and give up? And, and I mean sacrifice in a bad way, like giving what, your birthright away, giving and to meet your, your physical satisfaction, your immediate, because your appetite for the immediate, you, you, you circumvent it and you gave it away and you regret it. But even now your temptation to go your way and make it happen. Just give me, 
give me what I need. That's all I want. I don't care about the future. If you're in that place, I want to pray for you today. Or maybe you have and you're feeling the regret and that, that, that that's a struggle for you. But for some of us, it could be, we've been the heel grabber. In fact, the, the Bible says from the very beginning, in our mother's womb, David confessed this. He says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So we are all heel, let's just admit it, we are all heel We were the preschool kids that cried out, mind. We were the cutters, okay? We were the ones, or maybe we yelled, cutter, right, in line at school, and then just a few days ago, you thought you passed that, and someone cut you off in traffic, right? And, but you cut someone off maybe the day before. We live in this world where the heel-grabbing world we have, and, and we strive for it, and we, we look at it, and yet, at the end of the day, that this, this, this limping that we're going along, and we're striving, and we're straining, and we're trying to even wrestle, what we're going to find with at the end is that we're going we're gonna to come to really wrestle with God. And you're thinking, well, God's going to win at the end. He's going to win, and it's what we need to do is Jacob finally did. He just gave up and he, he surrendered it all because the blessing isn't in the achieving. The blessing is in the receiving. Why do we know this? Because the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. No more striving, no more conniving, no more trying to get our way, even wrestling with God himself to prove ourselves, to get the promised blessing. The blessing came. Jesus came as the blessing. He came and, and died on the cross for the blessing. The rose again for this blessing that we would give our lives to him, that we would bring all our life, all the scheming, all the striving, all our sin to him and not negotiate, not try to do anything with it. We place it before him and say, Lord, it's yours. I give up and take my life. I surrender to you. Jesus paid that price for us. So all we have to do, it's hard to believe, all we have to do is receive that blessing. I tell you, it's not too late. You're not too old. You're not too young. You've not done so much that you, you didn't just sell out and not receive. Nope. The blessing is for everyone to receive, no matter who you are and what you've done. Because there's nothing you can do. It cannot be achieved. It only can be received. And what happens with this beautiful blessing is the blessing can be passed on. The blessing we receive from the Lord becomes our inheritance that now we're able to share with others this blessing that they also stop striving, stop scheming, stop heel grabbing and receive as well in our life. As we go to prayer, the, the picture I had this, this week about kind of giving up because we still in our wills and how do we, you know, just you know, move from striving to seeking the Lord is really the word I had this week in my life think about babies and the struggle and everything you know and, and I, I remember when our son now he's he's 23 he's 63 so it's hard to picture him you know with a little baby right how they grow up so fast and I remember uh, we would hold him and in almost a helpless way we he was helpless but we were helpless 
by this child that cried and cried and cried. We just want you to go to sleep. Please, little baby, please, could you go to sleep? And we just couldn't figure out. And finally, my wife, and this is way before YouTube. We figured this out. You figured it out. Is that we would wrap him like, we call it the burrito method. And we'd wrap him in his, his blanket. And he couldn't get his arms out. And he would struggle at everything. He'd get his arms out. He would cry at another pitch. And dogs would bark in the neighborhood because this child was crying. And at the peak, at the peak of this shriek, he'd go to sleep. Struggle to get, just go to sleep. And I think for our lives, we get to that place. We struggle, 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 struggle. We scheme and connive and get everything away. And we're heel grabbing life. We're just, and we just need to let go let God take our lives and surrender because the blessing that we have. Will you join me to do that as well this morning as we pray? I invite you just to open your hands up today as a recipient of this blessing. And let's make sure as you receive this, you have zero contribution to this blessing. You have done nothing to deserve this blessing. In fact, the Bible says outside of Jesus, what you and I deserve is hell. We deserve the wrath of God because of the curse of sin in our lives. From the very beginning, we were born to now. Yet... God, out of his great love, came and removed, removed that curse, broke the power of sin by sending Jesus to come and die on the cross and that his blood would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that we would be the righteousness of God through Christ. And so now that when we hold our hands out and receive from the Lord, it's what he has done for us to be that blessed hope. No more achieving, no more striving, no more heel grabbing, just to receive that blessing. If you're here today and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, this is the moment for you. Jesus, be my Lord. Cleanse me of my sin. I want to have a new life in you, Jesus. I surrender my heart to you today. And for many of us here in this room, you've done that already, but we still are striving. We're still conniving. We're still scheming in our ways. And we will do it in the nice Christian way to do that, but it's still wrong. And we simply need to give up, to stop the screaming, to stop the, str the struggle any longer. And say, Lord, I just receive your blessing through you, Jesus, what you've done for me. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand. As we stand, I want you just to receive. Let's, let, this, let this be this moment of blessing upon you as you go. But here is the beautiful thing that we could do. Let's not, oh Lord, let's not hoard it. Let's, as we receive this blessing, we as the body Christ will be the blessing this week to the people that can earn it and buy it or achieve it but to receive it as well have a great morning if you need some prayer here we'd love to pray with you
here today. Let's sing this together as we close.